The first ever edition of the Drivers Meeting Podcast is brought to you by Diamond Gusset Jeans. Everybody loves an underdog. That's why they decided to sponsor one. By the way, it's me. I'm the underdog. And just like me, Diamond Gus is very comfortable with a role as an underdog in the blue jean business. With new styles, they got a patented gusset, so comfortable, I'm wearing them right now. They got a dedicated commitment to American made quality. You're going to be comfortable too. Try up here. Gusset.com, very proud sponsor of me and BJ McLeod Motorsports this season. Really happy to have them back and really happy to have you listening to the first ever episode of the Drivers Meeting Podcast. Let's do it. Welcome in to the driver's meeting. I am Tommy Joe Martins, NASCAR driver and former journalism student. So I'm taking a little bit of liberty with the idea that we can maybe be able to pull this off. This podcast is produced by Dalen Barr. So first of all, thanks for joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun this season. This is obviously episode number one. And in that, of course, we had some technical difficulties and really more timing difficulties. Uh, for me, I was down in Daytona mostly hanging out, but Dalen had a bit of a job to do, which is shooting photography for several teams in all three of the top three series. So we didn't get around to recording the intro or kind of the outro while we were down there with all of our good recording equipment. So now I'm doing this kind of freestyle back at home. So bear with us. It's a little bit of a uh, difference in the audio quality from the start of the show to the middle of the show where we do an awesome interview with Austin Terrio. And before we get to that, I want to make sure I remind you of something. Please, please, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you are listening through Apple Podcasts, it is the only way that the pod is going to be able to pop up a little bit higher in the feed so that maybe we can get some more listeners down the way. First of all, I just got to say before we even get going, thank you guys so much for the support in this podcast and just the idea that we were kicking around and the whole idea came about because I wanted to have a driver's perspective on things and I've always been really open with my opinions and I wanted to sit down with some drivers that would be able to share theirs and their experiences through NASCAR. So I felt like Austin Terrio was a great guy to start with. I mean, here's a guy that wins the ARCA championship with Ken Schrader. By all accounts, I have never heard a bad story about this guy in all of NASCAR and really all of racing in general. Nice kid, hardworking kid, and then he finds himself out of a ride last year. I mean, nothing. Absolutely no opportunities come to bat. Hustles around, spots, driver coaching, a lot of different things. And now he finds himself, even though it was a little bit of a hiccup to get it started, he's in a pretty good position with the truck team, Ricky Benton Racing. Should have some great opportunities this year. So I wanted to get his perspective on the the, the swings. I mean, just the emotional swings of uh, being a NASCAR driver in modern times and doing whatever it takes to make it work. So here's a really fun interview with NASCAR Truck Series driver Austin Terrio.
All right, so we're sitting here with Austin Terrio, 2017 ARCA champion. All right, so we have a champion on here. This is the first podcast, and so I want you to know, first things first, you're the first guest we've ever had. I'm really humbled. I really am. First podcast. Well, actually, I've been on other podcasts, but the first time that I was the first guest on a podcast. It's pretty so special. He's, this is the first first Is it because I reached out to you? You know, I was going to hit you up, too. Okay. So this, it was a double hit up on he, this. He texted me. He's like, I want Austin Terrio. Like, I did. This now. is a real thing, like right now. And I said it in a sexual way. <laughs> All right. I really find it cool because drivers are doing more and more of like, you know, digital media, social media, but um, podcasts seem to be coming back. Remember, they, they it, it dropped off for a while, like yeah. wasn't as popular, but I mm-hmm. think people are just turning to this. It's, it's a cool way to have, have a conversation and learn about people and, and just talk about different topics because that was the thing I wrestled about was like, well, should I start one? And I don't know if I'm going to. Probably not because I don't want to, you know, get get in the middle of what you got <laughs> reach, going reach on. Reach to it. You know, the idea is people want to hear about racing, but they also like to talk about other stuff too. So as a driver, you know, you're not just racing. Like you think of other stuff too, don't you? You want to talk about I it. I mean, not usually. Sometimes we like to talk about diamond gusset jeans. Yeah, which we'll talk about them plenty here in a little bit. But let's talk about you. All right. So the first time anybody had ever mentioned you to me, it was Ken Squire. Mm-hmm. It was 2016. So we had just started our truck team back up. I was at driver intros, Daytona, and I saw Ken Squire standing up there. And so I went to school for journalism. This was like a little bit of my background. So I'd always paid attention to who was broadcasting NASCAR races. thought that was pretty neat. So I see Ken Squire up there. And I had run in 2014, and I went, you know, I'm going to be more open. I'm going to just approach people this year. I'm just going to put myself out there. So I see Ken Squire. I walk up, hey, Mr. Squire, I'm Tommy Joe Martins. And he says, I know who you are. He's pretty smart. That caught me off guard. I didn't know how to react to that because here's a NASCAR Hall of Famer saying, I know who you are. But the follow-up question after we had a quick chit-chat was, have you seen Austin Terrio around here? Ken Squire asked you that. Ken Squire asked me that, 2016. This is the first time anybody said your name to me. He was a co-owner with Tom Curley. So, like, we'd be, it was 2014, not 2014, that was actually before that, 2012, 2013, 2011, actually, uh, Ken would walk in after the race and like, you know, talk to the racers and stuff. And I looked up to him, but even then, like, I didn't realize how much of a, of, of an impact that he had on the sport. He has a, he, he's had a huge impact on the sport. Like, and I didn't have re- enough respect for that at the time. Yeah. And now I do just, just seeing what he's done. And it's really cool to be associated with him. Now Tom Curley's not, not there anymore. He's passed on, but, um, he still leaves a, a really big legacy, uh, especially coming from up, up in that neck of the woods. It's a small country, not a lot of people. So we kind of stick together. And I want to talk more about that, too, because you've run the Oxford 250 four or five times. Somewhere I- around there. Yep. Last time was uh, was 2017. I think I ran 2012, 13 and either 14 or 15 and then 17. So about four times, four or five times. So you're from Maine. Mm-hmm. Is that the biggest race of your life? It would be a really cool, it would be a cool achievement. It would be right up there with Daytona. Actually, you know, an ARCA race at Daytona is pretty cool to win. Obviously, a cup race at Daytona it wouldn't be a comparison, but uh, the, the 250 means a lot to, to everybody, like especially in the short track industry. That, that's one of the things, one of the struggles that we all face in, in this changing like motorsports climate is uh, as back in the day, you'd have these people coming up through the system. We call it the system. They've won the Oxford 250. They've won, you know, Winchester. They've won All-American 400. 
and they built a name for themselves. But there's such a rush as a young person to get to whatever series, get, you know, get to the truck series, get to the Xfinity series. And so like in a perfect world, I would have tried and tried and tried until I was 25, 30 to win the Oxford 250. And then I would have got a call from an owner to come race, but it's, it doesn't work like that anymore. So I'm not going to give up, but eventually we're going to try to win that race, but um, you got plenty of time to do it. That's how I feel about the fairgrounds. So that's kind of where I started racing late models. And so when people ask me, what's the one race you want to win? Okay. Daytona, but, but really the fairgrounds, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's the big race because another thing that that i you know consider too is you grow you grow up around these people so they're like your peers so to win on that stage is actually better than i don't as you hate to say it but it may be better than winning like a truck race at iowa because you're you're in front of people that maybe you don't know um there's a different level of respect i think when you win in front of people that you grew up around right and also the fact that they have to acknowledge kind of your stepping up the ladder is that you're absolutely an equal or as good or better as this stage. And I deserve this chance on the mm -hmm. next one. When Bubba came up 2017 and won, or, you know, last year and won, um, like he gained a ton of respect up there. He was already well-respected around the country as like the top, you know, short track racer, but th there's something about going up there. Uh, the people said, Oh, nobody, nobody can come up here without any, testing without any practice and win the Oxford 250. It's, it's going to be the regulars that are going to win. It's going to be the people that grew up there their whole lives, like myself, are going to be able to win that race. But he comes up and just, he's in victory lane. So. And for the people that don't pay attention to short tracks, they're talking about Bubba Pollard. Yeah, we do have a couple of Bubbas. Yeah, Bubba involved. Pollard. Right, but yeah. Bubba Pollard, which is another guy that, of course, you want to see get an NASCAR opportunity. And I think that's kind of what's holding all this back, right? And, and so not to dwell on the the weird here but your first xfinity start i believe it was 2014 that yep. was with junior motorsports exactly right? so you yep. talk about like wanting to stay there and kind of live in that short track world until that opportunity arises well how did that opportunity come up with junior motorsports so i always tell people i never like to, to rewind my life and say these are the things i would have done different but when people call me when i mean i get calls from from drivers or their parents and say hey you know give us some advice yeah I would have looked back and even even though I had a great time, I had a, it was a really a challenging experience for me because I'm, I'm basically coming from late models, super late models, and jumping in, a, in an Xfinity car is not... A winning Xfinity yeah, car. Yeah, it, it, it's not easy. So um, we won the ARCA race at Michigan that year. And I think that... That was it, your first ARCA start. Yeah, yep, yep. So... The, it's hard to be better than that. It's a weird combination of you're, you're building a lot of confidence. So like you, you you're in a position to possibly run run up front with uh with a great team and if you don't do that um a lot of people maybe look down on you so doing it all again i would have done more arca stuff just just to see the tracks i think it's really important like the, to learn the tracks and, and and get experience on uh on a radial tire because it's, it's there's nothing like it you can't go to oxford plain speedway new smyrna in a in a super and really kind of experience what it's like to jump in, a, in an xfinity car at a top level and run good so that was that was a that was an interesting year for me it uh Really, I think I realized that, you know what, sometimes it's, it's, it's okay to take a step back and start just building from there. Because if you, if you start from the top, it's a lot easier to, 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 to basically come down from there and uh, lose a lot of confidence. And I feel like as a successful race car driver, confidence is a huge part of, of, oh, yeah. of 
of just showing up to the track feeling like you uh, you can compete. Feeling like you belong there mm -hmm. also. Because when you come in as somebody that maybe doesn't have that successful background or, yeah, you've won a few late models here, but you get to this level and you look around and you go, oh, man, do I deserve to be here? Mm -hmm. Am I good enough to be here? And now you're in a car where, like what you're talking about, Austin, it's kind of like you put yourself in a no-win scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you ran fifth. That's good. But that car also won this year. So what's holding us back? So, Is it just me? So that was when Harvick was winning a bunch of races. Yeah. And uh, so so I look back at that, too, and, and you realize it's important to have good people around you, too. Um, let's just say, because we all know that either, either takes sponsorship from, from somebody else, it takes investors, um, you know, family. So if you have a bunch of people around you that maybe don't understand or are, are just looking at the big picture and saying, you know what, you're, if you make it to, to Xfinity, you're going to be able to sell a sponsorship. Like that was a conversation that year that we had. So we, everybody thought it was a win-win. Hey, if you get there, you can sell the sponsorship. You're going to be able to stay there. But come to find out, it, it's not exactly how it works. Yeah. Now, and I had that same expectation with myself, which was, okay, I've been competitive at the late model level for a few years now. I feel like I'm good enough to go do it. If I get to this level, it's going to bring a little more exposure to me. And maybe a sponsor is going to come from that. And then you find out you're kind of like alone on the island. Yeah, building that foundation is kind of what you're talking about, right? Yeah. You, uh, everybody says you need to walk before you run. And I, I do buy into that quite a bit. You know, I had another person name drop you. And this was Jeremy Thompson. Hmm. So who was the general manager for BKR, you ran for BKR there for a little bit. And would you say that's the best NASCAR opportunity that you've had? I know the JRM deal. Mm -hmm. I know that. But BKR, that was like a little bit more of an extended run. It was. It was. And that, that was the other thing, now that you mention it, that I learned is, is it would be a different story if somebody says, you know what? Um, we found sponsorship for you. You're going to run Xfinity. You're going to run the whole season. Yeah. Then you can build. Because racing is about building, whether you're building a team, whether you're building a better setup, you're building a, you're building a better driver, you're, you're gaining experience. Like three races, it's hard. Every two months, yeah. every two months. Like, I'm not, I'm yeah. not looking for, for sympathy, but definitely the, the BKR opportunity was more races. Uh, I had experience with those guys working with them, you know, in the shop. I used to, when I first came down 2013, I work Monday through Friday in the shop. And sometimes we didn't work Friday if we were headed to the racetrack. But at, for, at, BKR. at BKR, yep, yep. So the late model shop is right next door to the truck shop back in the old drag strip in Mooresville. And um, I, that season alone, I learned uh, a bunch of stuff as a driver because we were running. I think we ran 20, 25 races. But but even about the cars, about like the day to day stuff, even just showing up, like having to wake up for something in the morning. Because, you know, the, the Mooresville situation when these drivers come to town. It, it's like, hey, dude, I'll meet you for lunch at eleven o'clock, and you, you know, so, somebody, somebody may may wake up at ten, eleven o'clock in the morning, and like, oh man, I just put in a long day, you know, on Instagram or Twitter and stuff, and but so so you learn. Yes, there's people behind the scenes that are having to wake up. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, dude, I like to sleep in on Sunday if I can, or, or Saturday <laughs> if we're not racing. But it's it's a lack of responsibility. But, but, but my <laughs> point coming is, in there. My, my point is, it's it's you at least got to experience it for a short period of time or a, or a year and for so, a so, from a respect yes, standpoint, yes, like yes. as in a respecting of what these guys that are working on your car yep. every week are going through. Yeah. Because 
you know what like when when a, when a crew member kind of has something on they say it on the side of their mouth so nobody else they don't realize anybody's hearing it like about, about the driver and stuff a lot of that comes from maybe a perception that the driver is not respecting what they're putting into it you know go out there and wall the car in the first in lap practice. in practice hey we all we've all done it but um there's something there's something psychologically about uh, being there at the shop and, and and putting some time in so that they know that you value what they're doing right and that's where i think jeremy and those guys at bkr really respected you a lot and they told me uh that you hustled that you were a hustler do you like having that reputation mm, yeah it's a good reputation i think in this day and age um not a, not a negative like negative oh, way of hustling people yeah. out of money yeah. as in like as you're hustling around trying to make it work yeah i think i think you got to i mean I've been fortunate. There's been a lot of people that have helped me get to this point, but but it's it's getting harder and it's gotten harder every single year. So if you're not hustling, it's it is it's not going to happen for you. Um, and I, I don't really compare myself to anybody. That's the thing. I've gotten over that. Hey, you know this person's doing that, or this person was this person was born in a state with with 10 million people. So there's 10 million opportunities to try to find a sponsor. Like I, I look at things differently. I just I'm not from a selfish standpoint, but I can only, just like yourself, you can only affect what you can. And and as long as you're pushing forward, um, that's kind of, you know, a different conversation I might bring up at some point is, is when opportunities come, you never, some, you don't always know that they're coming. So as long as you're there, that's the biggest thing. I want, I want to talk about it now. Yeah. Let's talk about that now. So what I was trying to explain is um, it's almost like every even year for me, I, I struggle. So like 2016 coming off the 2015 BKR crash, I struggled 2016. 2017 won a championship. 2018, basically without a ride, doing driver coach. Did you run any races last year? I did. The truck race at Vegas was my only NASCAR start. So I was doing a lot of like spotting, driver coach, mm -hmm. consulting yeah, stuff. Because I remember you were hanging around with uh, Will Rogers um, last year, was it? Didn't exactly work with him, but I like I worked with Chase Purdy at MDM, um, some other late model drivers. Basically doing whatever you could to hang around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so my point is, my experience has always been at the times when it when you're actually looking at, hey, do I want to, do I want to go work at. Uh, selling cars like when it gets that bad yeah it's sometimes there it's some it really is sometimes when the opportunities come i don't know what what it is like if it's if it's the it's some sort of mentality like putting it out there or um is it is it like a meaning like if opportunities continue to come because you're still you're still putting yourself out there does that mean you need to keep pushing forward so like is it a sign is it just like is it desperation of creativity you know like you have to get creative because mm -hmm. how else am i going to make something happen here? yeah yeah Exactly. So 2017, you had, from what I can remember, one of the best ARCA seasons that I can recall anybody having. You won on every different type of racetrack there was. You won at DeCoin. You won at Daytona. You won at Road America. You won at Salem. You won at a mile and a half. You won at Kentucky. And still after that, here you are, 2018. There's no opportunities. No phone calls. Not even a phone. Well, now wait a minute. I called your ass. All right, let's well, keep this really clear. <laughs> I called you. All right, let's make this really clear. I was running my truck team at the time. I called him. Let that be noted for the pod. You were my first pick for this, and it was actually after talking to Jeremy Thompson about you yeah. that that really came up. I remember now. But 
Yeah, now still, he oh yeah, convenient. <laughs> all right, but still, there's no nothing. There's nothing there on the table. Yeah, as you're from, going through from the season. A, yeah, from a well, from a from a funding standpoint, it it, it became really challenging in 2018, and uh, it, it was also hard to take. You really have to be mentally strong to come off a season like that and then struggle the next year, because you look at yourself and, and ask yourself, is this a sign? Is this reflect me? Does it reflect the industry? Does it reflect something else? within my control or without, you know, outside of my control. So you do a lot of like, just thinking about what's the, what's the right step? Is this a sign? Like I said, I, I don't really spend too much time thinking about it, but you can't not think about it. Yeah. Cause coming I mean, off such a, such a good year, it, it does make you wonder, um, is there anything else that I could be doing or I could have done between, you know, uh, July and December of 2017 to like, talk to people or make, you know, make myself known to, to a team owner or somebody that would give me a shot. But was there anything negative coming towards you? Because after looking this up online and doing a little research on you, I can't find one bad thing that any person has ever said about Austin Terrio. Now, I did not keep looking like through every photo you've ever posted on Facebook. Maybe I could find something there, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to. I was just looking through basically Reddit and other forums and stuff. And you became like this really sympathetic figure of like, okay, what more do you want a kid to do? That's, that's a good point. I mean, you feel good about that at the same time, it doesn't change the reality. Right. I mean, you, you know what it feels like to, to, to sort of struggle. And it, I can appreciate the fact that people are sympathetic, but um, at the same time, my deal was, Hey, just push harder. That's it. You I mean, never got to make never, a decision. You never thought about stepping away from it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you got to be honest. That that's that's the thing I realized too is when I ask other people questions, like I call them competitors, my peers, they're not going to give you the. They're not going to tell you what's in their head. Like, no. hey, are you are you worried about this or um, um, uh, how is your confidence? Like that, that that everybody struggles with confidence at some point or or another. Now it's not necessarily confidence behind the wheel. But it's like confidence as far as how much harder do you want to push when you're 25, like 25 or 30, maybe maybe 30 is that point. But or but, 32. But it used to be the, the good news is it maybe used to be earlier. Like if you weren't 18 and in the Cup Series. Oh, yeah. Then it failure. was like and there's like yeah failure. You might, have, you might as well go home and, uh, you know, you work in the, the family burn, business. The, the burnout level now in NASCAR is more than I've ever seen in my whole life. And, do you know and why? Do you think it's is it a financial burnout? Or is it a purely we rush them up, and if they're not the best talent I've ever seen, eh, we'll find somebody else. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's just a, a, a different climate. I, I don't know what that means when I say climate. I think it's more of a the atmosphere where you um, back in the day it's like you built you built a relationship with the people you were around, and and you guys were were there to have a good time. You you were there to win races and stuff, but it was it was a little bit closer knit. And now it's in a good way, depending on how you look at it, it's uh, definitely all about business, funding, sponsorship. I mean, we, we you can look to see who's moving around. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's about possibly personalities. But I think a lot of it's just due to funding and sponsorship. That's it. And finding the best value. If you have a sponsor, where can I get the best value for mm -hmm. it? Is it better for me to go run a few races here than it is for me to run more races there? And yeah. also what stage of your career you're in. Yeah. I think there needs to be a shifting narrative in this. For drivers that do have funding of i don't have to go to junior motorsports for three races like i can learn a lot as a driver and maybe more of a like and i'm i'm doing it because we're sitting in the hall over here but like a bj mcleod 
if I've got 300 grand behind me, does it make more sense for me to go run 10 or 15 races with them compared to three races with the top team? You're right. I was, I was going to bring that up. I think the, the conversation is changing and I, I don't know where it's going to go, but some of the conversations I'm having with people, whether it's drivers and their families, or at least um, some of the people I trust in the industry, it's, it's really about looking at, um, you can only plan your career out so many, so many years in advance, but really just, just realize that it's, it's important to be relevant on at the racetrack as much as possible. Um, and not putting yourself really in a bad situation where you're going to look bad. So it's, it's like, it's like staying staying below the radar. Right. I mean, there's a level. I mean, obviously you can't get in a car that is a dead last car or not safe or Or unsafe or something like you can't do that. But I have never seen being out there in a car that's running competitively 20th to 25th and you're battling for the lucky dog and you're, you're racing. I don't see where that's hurting a driver. I just don't see it. And I know from talking to other guys, that car is reacting the same to the person that's running 25th as it is to the person running 5th. You can learn the racecraft there and then maybe say, okay, you know what? Now that I've been there for 15 races, I'm going to take a shot in a top level ride next year. Yep. You've seen the tracks, you're ready, you have the mentality, you have the mentality of hustling a race car that maybe he's not handling as good from an aero standpoint or from a mechanical standpoint. Um, look at, I mean, look at Ross. Yeah. Ross, learn the tracks, get experience, um, sort of stay under the radar, and then all of a sudden, bloop, you're in an opportunity to win a race. And you can do it. And closes you know. it. Yep. Closes yep. it out. And this, this is a guy, and this is the, the thing that I point to, this is a guy that finished a lap down at Las Vegas the first time they ran there in Xfinity. Finished a lap down. Finished, it was outside of the top 15, I'm wanting to say. And then this guy goes back the same year in a different car and leads every lap just about and wins the race. So what changed here? (laughs) Was it Ross or was it the opportunity? And that's where I think we can label guys unfairly and girls unfairly just based on the opportunities they've been given. I mean, you can look at Ryan Priest with that too. I mean, or, or he, Brett he, Moffitt, he or took, anybody. I mean, Ryan Priest took the big bet on himself and went to Gibbs. I mean, but not everyone's in the position to be able to do that. Like, you know, Ross may may have or may not have. And, you know, it worked out for him, worked out for, for Priest, too. And I want to get onto this with the mindset, because you've done this. You have driven for BKR. You have driven for Junior Motorsports. So you are there, 2014, Junior Motorsports, Iowa. You go test there. And now here it is. And you finished 15th, I think, in that race. Because I know, because I was there, by the way. I was in that race. They got walled it with, like, Jeffrey Earnhardt <laughs> in an old Dodge. So you were there in that race, 15th. Were, were you disappointed getting out of the car? Or was it, like, a relief, like, I did this, and that's kind of done now? I was I was disappointed because maybe disappointed is a, is a harsh word, but I, I told myself if I could start the weekend over, I would have finished in the top 10. Because because your, your weekend starts in practice. Like if you're not making the right changes on the car, not telling the crew what it, what it's going to take in the race, you're already you know put your, setting yourself back. And uh, definitely that that was a good example. Iowa was a good example of it. Like man, on restarts, I wasn't used to uh, uh, the sort of restart chaos coming from New England short track racing. Like people are aggressive, but when when you get to an Xfinity race with 10, 15 laps to go. There's on new, no, on new nothing, tires, I'm saying, like on, yeah, on new tires. Like we restart up there, yeah, 150 lap like race, 70, lap 75, lap 100. Like not trying to spin tires, 
But Iowa, it's like you got to go. You got to go. If, and if you're not going, you're getting past putting three wide stuff like that. So, so I, I learned a lot that race. If if I could have done it over again, um, but once again, one race is out. You got two left. You got one a mile and a half first time. You know, first time in an Xfinity car. So, so, so I would have been much better just taking taking a team um, and ran ten races. Did you know? Races. Did you know what you were getting into? No, no. Do you think anybody does like when they're coming up? Because no, I think that's why it's important to we, have good. That's why it's important to have <laughs> good people around you, like that understand. Because we're, we're in a sport right here, Austin, where probably most of the guys that are local racers and girls that are local racers around the country, and they look at NASCAR and they see some examples of maybe not the best driving in some places, and they go, "Man, I race at my local track every week. I know I could go do that." And we have to sit here and kind of bite our tongue because this is something that we are used to now. But just how hard is this? It's it's not easy. I, the Cup Series is a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah. Like like I can't even speak on that. But just what I've heard and some of the conversations I've had, it's uh, it's a whole other level. So you just got to be ready for what you're getting into. Like if if any short trackers listening, it's not that I'm giving advice. I just um, number one, you have to you have to be around the right people. And sometimes the right people are not the right people. If that makes any sense. That um, makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. You, 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 looking uh, at you, Tom. You know, there's a yeah, lot you of people. Go, there's go a, into no, that a, there's a lot of people in this business that are looking out for themselves while acting like they're looking out for you. Mm -hmm. and, and it's hard to tell the difference. And it's very hard to tell the difference. Um, I think a perfect example of this, if anybody tells you that they're going to go find a sponsor for you, mm -hmm run away from that person, run away from that person as quickly as you can. If they are asking you for money to mm -hmm. go look for to it, to go look for a sponsor, I would, I would much rather pay somebody to help manage my career from a, from a, from a, Hey, what team do we want to be with? Let's, let's set up a strategy. If you have a marketing call, I can be on that, but I'm not promising to find you a sponsor. Exactly. That way, you know, somebody's telling you the truth. Cause if they're saying, Oh, I've got these people, I've got these connections. Well, number one, why haven't you closed the deal? And, and it's just a sign. Like you, you, you got to look into signs. P people, people put out signs, and they may not know it, but you just got to pay attention. And there's plenty of people that I trust. Like that's the good thing about the industry. It gets a bad rap sometimes. There's plenty of people that I trust. There's a lot of good people. A lot of good people. It's taken both of us probably a lot of bad roads to find the right people to get around. Mm -hmm. um, but I heard somebody say this. It was Blake Cook. And he said he feels like the best drivers always find a way to get there. Do you think that's true? I mean, you're sitting here now. You got to ride with Ricky Benton for this year, partial schedule, but it's going to be in a pretty competitive truck. Do you feel like that's the truth? It may be the reality. I don't know why that's the case. I think I think it just goes back to uh, work ethic in a way, but just positioning yourself like. You can't be afraid to have conversations with people. You can't be afraid to um, tell people why it would be a good idea if you were able to work with them. Um, I, that, see, that that was the thing. I've, I think I've fundamentally changed as a person. When I first came down, um, I was pretty shy. Like, apparently that's what people thought of me. Oh, Austin's really shy. He's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to get to know him. Conservative, yeah, conservative. But then when people get to know me, it's a different story slowly I've, I've started as I've gained confidence in, in like myself and stuff. Um, I'll just go up to somebody and have a conversation with them. Even if I don't really know who they are, I feel like, well, maybe they're important. 
Um, but I don't scan. It's not like I'm going out there saying I'm only going to meet somebody that I feel is important. But it's a it's about just building relationships. Like, hey, um, I'm Austin Terrio. H- how are you doing? Like, do you work on the car? Like, are, do you do you support the team in some way? Like, what's it's your about, story? It's well, about building relationships relevant. and listening listening to people's story. You can't just be a person that's in and out and gone. Like, you have to be a person that stays around and stays relevant in the sport. And I think you've got a reputation now and the success on the track to back it up as somebody that's going to do whatever needs to be done to hang around and keep getting those opportunities. Yeah. I, the word that comes to mind is he's, he's a reliable guy. You know, he's not, he's not flashy. Like <laughs> I don't really care about being called flashy, but, but, but I'm there when it counts, I a guess. Professional. Yeah. You're there. Maybe, you, maybe that's a good way to say it. If you're there when it counts, that that's my big thing. I think if, if, if you're relevant, just staying around, um, Everybody knows when it's time when it's time to hang it up. I, I I think Ricky Craven told me that once. He said he said you'll know when it's your time to hang it up, and it'll hit you like a ton of bricks. And to be honest, that hasn't quite happened yet. I thought about it. Just Did because, you think it happened because of the there, you, There's clearly a moment where you think it's happening. Probably last year. Yeah, last well last year just because you, you look at the bills coming in and 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 what's going out as far as expenses that, and stuff. That thought of having to get your real estate license really terrifies you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but is, but is that thought, I actually thought about that. But, but is that a oh no, I got to get back in this moment or is this like a wow, this is where my life is going moment? It's sometimes I don't I don't know if you have the choice. That was the other thing that he told me. Um it'll hit you like a ton of bricks and sometimes you don't have the choice. And uh there's a feeling that comes with that that you guess you got to you got to try to accept it, but I'm not sure we're we're there yet. I don't think the both of us are there yet. No, not yet. Maybe that day's going to come. Maybe it's right around the corner. Maybe it's five, ten years down the road, or or whenever it is. But you know, the one thing I'll kind of uh, I want to leave with too is the skills that you learn in racing are not only just driving behind, you know, getting behind the wheel and driving. That, those help. You know, the, the, that's about confidence. It's about putting yourself out there, like finding the limit of everything that you do and trying to push yourself. But it's. Uh, there's other stuff that that you learn like selling sponsorships business that'll that'll take you anywhere person to person person to person like they call it soft skills like having a conversation with somebody and really really listening to what they're saying podcast coming on a podcast and (laughs) and not not having necessarily prepare like you know just thinking about stuff and, and and being able to put it out there and still sound somewhat interesting um that'll take you anywhere in life really well, hopefully this podcast takes us somewhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. once once we cash our million dollar endorsement check, I mean, I just just give me a small percentage of it because I'm the one that kind of helped you. The you launch, you launch this, you kick this off for us. I'll find you in a garage. Good luck this year, buddy. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks. I mean, how good was that? What a great way to get the podcast started. Be a lot of fun this year. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Diamond Gusset Jeans. Thank you, Dalen Barr, for producing this podcast. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. That way we can get a little bit higher up the feed. Got a great show coming for you next week. Caitlin Vinci is going to sit down with us. So many great interviews we got lined up for the year. Going to get some great, interesting perspectives on NASCAR, the business side of things, the TV side of things, the broadcast side of things. We're going to take a look at things from all angles. Really appreciate you listening to episode number one. Make sure you stay tuned for episode number two and beyond. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Again, I'm Tommy Joe Martins. Thank you all for listening and sitting in on the driver's meeting. We'll catch you next week.